1: A huge thank you to Neon, our favourite New Zealand streaming service, for making this episode of Culture Vulture possible. Kia ora everyone and welcome to Culture Vulture. Now, it's a little bit different today. I'm joined with a very special co-host. I'm not going to say guest and I'm not going to say like interview subject because I'm forcing him to take on the role co-host i'm here with duncan grieve who is the ceo and the publisher of the spin-off which we all know is the best media company in new zealand i'm extremely biased as i am with literally everything they basically mean that Cisco can operate they help us do everything we're actually recording in their studio duncan is also my mentor he's my bestie yeah you'd agree that we're besties I. yeah 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 in uh, well, he had to. He's on my podcast. <laughs> um, in in his greatest act of mentorship, he introduced me to Succession. I do think you might regret it by now because I'm always either spoiling it with memes or like forcing you to talk to me about it. No,
0: no, it's good. I'm I. Uh, I mean, it, it, this Succession season has felt like it was everywhere, and everyone was in in a way that was. I don't know that it wasn't for the previous ones, um, yeah. and so I'm just glad that that, that you're about it. i finally caught right. up. Yeah, because of you. But the timing was was great because it was. I feel like you watched it in lockdown, and then it just went bam straight into season three.
1: I know, so I was all caught up. Anyway, Duncan's much smarter than me, which he hates me saying. But like, <laughs> I will have very shallow takes and ones that probably will resonate with a lot of people, and Duncan will have these like insane like media industry plus just tv he just he he knows a lot about everything which is why I sometimes know things about things because Duncan teaches me another thing to know about Dunk he is the spitting image of Kendall Roy so I want you all to be picturing Kendall as you're listening to this podcast you also share like a bunch of Kendall's characteristics like you have this this Fire in your belly that, like, not to the level of Kendall Roy, but do you reckon you're a bit similar, eh, in some respects.
0: Yeah, I've always felt um, quite quite a kinship with Kendall because it's funny because in, in the the finale we just watched, you remember because he reminds you that Connor is actually the eldest son, but the whole way through, you always feel like, Kendall. you know, Kendall, Kendall feels like he has that weight on him. And uh you know I'm I'm the eldest only son of my father. My father was uh, growing up he, he he was a little bit of a Logan Roy type. He just he was a CEO. He kind of took no prisoners. He was not he had no time for uh for fools. <laughs> for
1: the kids trying to take over. Well, you know if you
0: if you asked a dumb question, you were going to you're going to get told that yeah. that was a dumbass question, oh you my know. God, I
1: love I lo- this is why you're so great to talk to about this shit cuz you have this like level of kindleness. Yeah. And like you have a great, like, you're quite up with the bro speak, but not to the point of Kendall, but there's that first scene of him, like, in the car, like, the one of the very first scenes he's listening to, the, I think it's Beastie Boys or something, he's, like, rapping in the car, and I just can't look at that without seeing you. Kendall also has massive optimism about, like, going digital, and like, the transformation, which you don't have the optimism. Well, like I, do, I do. No, I it's because do. you've done it, like. Yeah, I so mean, you're I, optimistic about it, but it's because you're also good at it. He has no follow through.
0: I mean, I think that the the other reason why why I, I love the show so much and and very much, Kendall embodies this, is that the uh, we operate in the you know basically, even though we're a digital media company, we operate functionally in the traditional media space. We're not a a technology company um, by any means, but the. The, I've, I've always been um, fascinated by the big technology companies, and succession is about this kind of big, lumbering, ruthless entity uh, trying to kind of live in a world that is falling apart and fading and just being eaten alive by these technology companies that it doesn't particularly understand and sort of using whatever tactics it can yeah. to, to survive. And that nexus is, you know, it's, it's a brilliantly chosen place to stage this thing notwithstanding all of the real life kind of Murdoch um, family sort of saga tropes that you can you can uh, fold into it
1: do you guys see what I mean when I say that like (laughs) I'll be here prompting and Duncan will just be like running his mouth and I'm obsessed and I haven't even asked you how you are I haven't even asked you how you felt like the final was but I'm gonna ask all that first of all I want to know what describes your week
0: I mean I looked at this question um and and I, and I came up so empty.
1: It's an anxiety inducing out. I feel yeah. like it's got to be sort of funny but also kind of relevant.
0: Well the the, the thing that I came up with the, the thing the only thing that was like different and new and especially uh, the thing that made it easier for me was knowing that your Aunt pheromones was an acceptable level i know for last week i was like i mean
1: i can get there you can fucking say
0: anything so so my my grandma jude um who's like 93 years old and her it's basically bang on a year since uh her husband my grandfather died and so she spent a good portion of that year living alone in lockdown and at the best of times and for years she's been like i'm checked out i don't I don't want any more of this. And if you think, you know, so my my father is a Logan Roy type. He is like that because his mum was just cold. Yeah. Okay. And um, so the she, putting your
1: family on blast here, right? Uh, <laughs> like, I'm they, not, they just I'm are scared. who they are. You yeah.
0: know, I, I talk to them about it. It's yeah. all good. Um, but but uh, so she reminds me so much of Livia Soprano. Have You watched The Sopranos? No so she's uh tony soprano's mother who who is was rated number three on Rolling Stone's list of the greatest t v villains of all time, which given that she's like a bit parts is a lot about just how just savage yeah, uh, she is. And, and Jude's like that. She doesn't really know that she's doing it, and she's very sweet, but she's just got no sentimentality in her whatsoever. And I thought that she was, basically, she was calling time and just sitting there waiting <laughs> waiting for uh, the Grim Reaper to yes. just stroll on in and make himself at home. But then uh, she sort of suddenly erupted and she's she came over to our house which i just never thought would happen she instantly was like oh this is brilliant so much better than that old place we we lived for 15 years and she just savaged it and uh and i had my my uncle my father there who i hadn't seen for four months and um and my my three daughters and and there was just this my wife this whole sort of it felt very sopranos and sopranos is succession aside the show that has has meant the most to me over the years so that's what it is The
1: sopranos well I thought it was going to be sweating because before we got on the mic, me and Doug were trying to figure out what described his week. And like, I'm a very, I run real hot. And then I was like, what's something that describes my week? I may be sweating. And then I was like, I actually, maybe that describes Duncan's week too. And then what did you tell me? What happened this morning?
0: (laughs) I played basketball with with I hear who's who's recording, and I don't know. About you, I was. That was one of the sweatiest games I've ever played. It's like wickedly humid here in Tamaki Makoto right now, and uh, I I know that I dropped a kilo in sweat.
1: I love that you're going to say. <laughs> I, reckon, I reckon I dropped about a kilo in sweat. Duncan Cream knows he dropped a kilo in sweat because he's that guy.
0: Yeah, it's like it's real embarrassing. No. I, look, I, I don't normally check in that frequently, but um, it just so happened to work out that way today. Duncan I was is curious. So
1: funny. It's, so it's more than
0: a kilo, for
1: I'm <laughs> Oh my God. I was wondering, you're sort of wasting away in front of me right now. <laughs> mm. Mm. The thing that describes my week is, and to be honest, I've talked about this on the last podcast you guys will have listened to, um, petty girl or petty person summer. And you already know what that means. I think Duncan might have a petty person summer as well. Mm. He'll, he'll listen to the podcast, he'll figure out what that means. And if you don't, this is a callback. I'm not going to explain it for you. You have to go and listen to the last one. Okay. Now, Duncan. We've just, oh, spoilers, spoiler alert. This whole thing's going to be a spoiler. We've probably spoiled stuff already. Sorry, but keep listening. What did you think of the final? We've just watched it. We both watched it last night. I loved it. Same.
0: I think think it's been overall like a sort of patchy season, especially compared to the just pure brilliance of the second season. But they stuck the landing so hard. Yeah,
1: okay, Great, because I was worried. There was a point in this season where I thought, why? Because I get obsessed with things. Um, very much so. You guys all know that. And I was worried while I was watching this that it had lost a bit of its like I need to sit down and I can't be distracted by anything, and all I want to do is watch this and focus on it. I, did. I felt like I was like wavering in and out a little bit. But then this episode, like, for once. If something was going on around me I wouldn't have even noticed because I just thought this was great and and Jeremy strong was Jeremy strong and like well we got
0: to talk about that
1: but I know I mean
0: that's that the scene um you know in that sort of dusty car park area oh. where, where uh Kendall breaks down and um and, and says and, I'm
1: just not here and oh
0: I mean the the everything about that was just I think for a show that is just relentlessly cynical um and, and assumes the worst of all humanity, which is what, which, what is what makes it so compelling to have the to allow that mask to slip and the the, the you know the humanity of of those uh, siblings and the way that they have been forged and broken and never got any other ch- a chance to be anything else. I oh, know. Uh, you know. That was that was just extraordinary writing and performing.
1: I, and I thought I saw so much of myself in Roman in that moment because when people are, like, breaking down near me or with me and I'm the one that's charged to, like, help them, or actually it's the way I would like people to act with me, I crack jokes and I just, like, all I want to do is, like, make them, like, laugh. Like, I probably wouldn't be, like... Oh well, you killed a guy. Well, I waited three and a, like three forty-five minutes the, yeah, for a, gin, for and a gin and
0: tonic was one of the most sa- savage.
1: I know. Ones. I know. I know. Oh my god, I'm but
0: sweating thinking about that. That's
1: literally. It's kind of me. And I don't know if we're talking about this now. Yeah, we will because we're talking about Roman. One of the hardest scenes for me to watch of all time was Roman sending the dick pic to Logan. <laughs> like no. I like slime puppy. Two words: slime puppy. What slime puppy? Slime puppy. It's when it's when um Jerry's on the phone to Roman and he's like getting off to her, and, and, oh. and she's like, "You little slime puppy."
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! What do
1: you think? What do you think of the um dick pic scene? I uh, loved it. I.
0: <laughs> I I loved the scene. Like I loved the scene a a lot, and I, I loved when Roman realizes he's done it. The way he just sort of goes limp. Like, he just, I know. And, and I kind of relate to that. It's like when you <laughs> hit reply rather than forward on an email, th- those kind of situations.
1: I've done that, yeah.
0: And, um, or text the person that you're that talking you're about, about rather than, you know, like I've only ever had sort of three out of 10 versions of that, but every time you get that complete
1: stomach drop,
0: territory. actually, no, I've had a 10 out of 10 Have this you? year. Yeah. I can't talk about no, that. Don't. <sighs> Fuck, that Fuck. No, don't. Fuck. Fuck. No. I just went somewhere. Okay, I'm back. I'm back. I'm back.
1: Tugan, t- Tugan literally disappeared. I'll tell second. you about that sometime. Yeah, off my please. my god. Oh, okay.
0: Um, but but then the only thing about that that didn't scan for me
1: <gasps> was
0: um when Logan you know takes him aside to talk to him about it. I don't feel like Logan would give a shit.
1: Yeah. Because Logan's also, like, fucking a 20-year-old or something right now. And he's like. just
0: so, like, cynical. It's, it's just a dick pic, mm-hmm. you know? Like, he, it's not like he's squeamish about this. Like, yeah. he runs Waystar Royco. It's tabloids. It's trash. It's, yeah. you know, he's just like, he, I'm surprised it's not to just be more careful or who, you know? It, no. That was the only thing that I found a bit odd. But then it did allow him that weird sort of contemptuous, um, you know, the, the, the speech he gave to him on the boat and um, and, and the finale. So so it, it helped.
1: Roman's so interesting. We're going to get to favourite um, favorite characters soon. But yep. one bit that I loved, loved, loved was when um, Logan was reading the storybook to Kendall's son. And <sighs> and the line is, Mog was tired. She was dead tired, Mog thought. I want to sleep forever. And so she did. But a little bit of her stayed awake to see what would happen next. Which is Kendall, which is literally Kendall. Like I, like first of all, it was kind of nice to see Logan being like reading a storybook. I thought, oh, I was also
0: Mark, one of the greats.
1: Yeah, oh, I don't huge, know, I didn't huge know. Huge Mark head. Oh, oh my god, you fucking would be too. I just thought, like, oh, it's just so smart and so beautiful, and also. I, there was something I'm not. I don't know much about like film techniques or TV shows or anything. There was something in that scene of them playing Monopoly. It felt like a really long scene, but it was beautiful. It felt really different. Like I don't know if you felt, but you know when they're all sitting around the table and then Kendall comes in after he's been in the hospital, and I just felt like, do you feel all a bit more candid or something right now? But I just thought it was stunning.
0: I think that the. Because the family had had that sort of season-long trauma, after they sort of hang together, they're constantly doing their insult comedy on each other, but that fundamentally, they they just are this unit. Yeah. And to have uh, to have Kendall be sort of cast aside for the whole season, and then them sort of inching back. Yeah. Together there was you could feel it.
1: Yeah, it was happening. What, okay. What about what about Tom? What about the backstabbing from Tom?
0: You know, I missed that, and I, I only caught that on the on the recaps, like I, that I've read this morning. I I sort of oh, okay. there was something about how crushing the emotional load of the uh, the car park scene was that I was sort of yeah like missing stuff. Um, but I actually love that. I think that's really really fantastic writing, and it and it allows for Tom. The one of the best things about Succession is that every character is perfectly rendered and developed. There are no sort of just bit parts who are just a cipher and come on to say a line so that the other character yeah. can advance. Like, everyone on it. Like, the you know, the PR guy with the slick back hair?
1: Yeah.
0: He's one of my favorite characters. He is has he? fuck all lines. But I just, I totally buy him oh as this God. kind of amoral, um, you know, he has to... Manage up, please his boss, try and pilot him to doing the least bad thing. Yeah. But he just he just scans, and every character on Succession scans. And Tom, the idea that Tom would be, you know, he's just constantly trying to go, how do I get ahead? And how do I, I'll put up with anything from Shiv who oh, knows God. it. And there's that incredible sex scene in the second last episode, but the, you know, that drives that home. But then obviously, when he sees an opportunity to play a chess move, He'll take
1: it. And you respect him for it. respect the hell out of him. I know, I know. And, like, it's really interesting. I've read a few theories on Tom. And, like, you know back, like, halfway through the season when someone sends donuts to, like, when Shiv goes around to Kendall's, I think? And, like, apparently Tom was the only one that knew, like, she was there. So he sent the donuts. Like, he'd already started, like, trying to, like, stress, stress her out and stress out the situation. And then at the end, Shiv also, when she's... When she sort of realizes I think she realizes that Tom has done it and she like grabs her stomach and I'm like, is she actually pregnant? And is this gonna add a whole nother like spanner to the works or not? But I, I know. And maybe. Yeah. But I'm 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 just I love a good theory and I think Tom Tom has had it in him and I'm sort of excited to see where he goes. Greg, I feel like used to be one of my favourite characters, which now we're gonna get into Greg. I'm obsessed with Greg. Relate to him probably the most. And have you heard a song Antibodies? No, no, not his song, but his the <laughs> actor. His, his, oh. The actor.
0: Yeah, because he's got he's got a band which is sort of oh, pitchforky, the, reasonably well regarded, right?
1: You need to listen to Antibodies. It's so funny. Anyway, Greg, I feel like. I mean, it's probably, it was probably meant to happen, but his character sort of lost himself. And when he was trying to sue Greenpeace, he lost his inheritance and then, like, tried to go after the princess or 6th time removed princess or whatever. And then, like, just at the end, when Tom's asking him to be his little partner in crime again, and Greg goes, Well, like, who needs a soul anyway or something? Like, what good's a yeah. soul anyway? Yeah. Boom, no soul or something. <laughs> like, he sort of got himself back. But I don't know, Greg lost his, um, lost his appeal for me for a little while.
0: I just, just realized, well, have we explained what, what Succession is for people who might not have watched it? Should we do that? Is that a thing?
1: No, nah, you've you've explained a little bit. All right, all right. Yeah, I feel like you're, if you're listening, you know what we're talking about. If you're about. this deep. If you're this deep. Or well, you'll probably want to watch it to find out. It's probably a good tactic to get people to watch it.
0: And they should watch it. Yeah. It's, it's terrific. Uh, so Tell the, me how to do it. <laughs> Real, bad no, because I'm the worst for it, so, and, I, and and you're not. You're actually the best for it. Like Culture Vulture is very good at context, context, oh, context. So, so, so. so, the thing that I like, so Jesse Armstrong, the creator of the show, so I just went way, way, way back. But what? like, so he.
1: Are we going to do the context? No, Duncan. So anyway, way back to the start.
0: So he's his show, so Peep Show, um, yes. is one of his shows. He was a writer on it. Uh, similar kind of just every line, savage. Every person is an arsehole or, or is oh. just like a narcissist, basically. Uh, one of my favorite ever shows, Nine Seasons of It, you absolutely should watch it. Mm-hmm. Then there's The Thick of It, which is quite similar to Succession, but set in English politics. Everyone's an arsehole. Incredible whip fire lines. Uh... And then his other show, Fresh Meat, which is like set in an English university, everyone's an asshole, but it's kind of wholesome and uh, and and kind of warm in a yeah. way that his other shows aren't. But basically, the thread through all his shows is that there are no heroes, and oh. I find that like so, I, I I love that about Succession, yeah, because it, it feels like we live in an era where everyone is basically trying to demonize their their opponents and trying to in in so doing either implicitly or explicitly they suggest that they are without fault. Yes. And what I love about this is as much as Logan and and all his children are terrible people when they go and they meet the Pierce family which is a cipher for the Salzburgers who own the New York Times they are worse. To me yeah. they're worse because they're just as venal, they're just as like extravagantly wealthy but they they have no insight into their own kind of foibles and failings. And yeah. there's that, like, academic guy who, you know, just every, every character that just says the most, like, obnoxious things. And so that's, that's kind of what I love about the show. And I think probably the reason that Greg is slowly degrading is because he became this kind of cult figure and yeah. he was this doofus, but he didn't mean badly the way that everyone else did. And I think yeah. they have to show – that his character development as proximity to that level of wealth and influence invariably leads to your own moral decay as well.
1: Okay, genius, go off! Okay, so at the start of 2021, I had never seen nor had I heard of either Neon, really, or Succession. And now, Succession, as you've just heard, is my literal favourite show – and Neon is my favourite streaming service, not only because it hosts Succession, but they are also just fucking amazing and they let us record Culture Vulture, they let me sit down and talk to Dunk all about Succession. And I just, I love that for us, I love it for you because you get to hear it, and I love it from Neon. So, if doing this whole episode of Succession wasn't enough to get you at least to sign up for a fourteen-day free trial, then what about Euphoria or like Pen Fifteen or The Office or Yellowstone or The New Sex in the City or literally all the other good shit that they have on there? I think I think that's pretty compelling, and I think you should go and sign up. Anyway, thank you, Neon, for bringing in the new year with us and letting us live out the chaotic dream that is Culture Vulture. We bloody love you. Now, okay, so you don't have a favorite character then, because they're all great, or are you actually going to decide something?
0: Uh, actually, my my favorite <laughs> character is um, probably Connor.
1: Oh yeah, I okay, I grew to very, very much love Connor, but why? Why favorite?
0: I mean, the thing is, you cannot pick one, right? But no. there's there's something about him. I, I just buy him so completely. Yeah. I mean, I buy every every character on the show, but there's something about him, you know, because he's considerably older. You know, he's got to be, like, uh, 10, 15 years older than Kendall. He clearly had the most neglect. Like, talks about not seeing um, Logan for three years in that episode. And, and, you know, there was never any, you know, he obviously, Logan decided that he was an idiot. Yeah. Really early on in his life. And he's sort of just... You know, they just basically put him on it in a castle in the desert. And he goes and (laughs) finds this. uh, I know. And he's so humiliating. And then this presidential (laughs) run as a libertarian is incredible. Like there are multiple examples of that in in history, um, you know, of of these kind of no-count libertarian candidates who, you know, come from money. And I love that line actually. It's an aside in this episode where – uh, when Logan talks about coming to America and these, meeting these, meeting these rich men of business who smell of golden milk. <laughs> and that's why he was successful, because he was just more ruthless than them. And, uh, and you totally see that ruthlessness as a father expressed in yeah. his complete disdain for, for Connor, who is, like the complete Amoralsa, but he's sort of amiable and and he's like so funny. I can't just believe so funny. I
1: can't believe Connor's your um, favourite <laughs> character. I, I actually love that from you. I love it. Who's yours? Mine's. Uh, okay, it's. It, it's to be honest. It's actually really easily Roman. Like there's just. There's something about Roman that I just love so much. Like, he's he's meant to be such a sicko, but I'm just real into it. Like, I just buy it. And I remember I text you at the very start of watching Succession being like, do you know that Roman is played by Macaulay Corkin's brother? <laughs> and you were like, yeah, fucking everyone knows that. <laughs> like, cause I was, sh- I knew I recognized him somehow. I didn't realize it was because of Home Alone and like his brother. But Roman, I don't know, he's a sicko. I'm also obsessed with his endurance. In- jerry's relationship like that's just hot i don't even know why i'm just i love it it's
0: super hot and it's also weirdly pure
1: yeah I for for
0: something that's just such a broken symptom of everything that's wrong in that uh that family and company
1: i love the writers for doing that like because i did not see it coming i've never watched any any of the shows that you just listed off and i've never actually watched anything like succession at the start I thought it seemed like The Office just it was purely with the zoom ins.
0: Right. Like,
1: Fuck. Is it is office? weird
0: the way that they shoot it like with that kind of fake documentary style yeah. allied to the opulence of the of the sets. So like they've got famously got a, like a rich consultant to make sure that everything really properly looks like money and it does.
1: Yeah I know it, it really works. What's your favorite like relationship dynamic because mine's Tom and Greg or Jerry
0: and Roman. Yeah, I, I put those down. They're, they're both amazing. Have you seen that um, Tom and Greg romantic comedy trailer? Yes.
1: Uh, you know,
0: which which could be in the wrong hands feel like a sort of a, a homophobic ha-ha huh kind yeah. of thing. But it just, it does feel like it captures what this... What they are. Yeah, there's something... Um
1: and they've kept it really ambiguous for for us because they know that people are making fan cams about it. They know that people are, like, editing it together. That's one of my questions for you. Do you watch or do you scroll past fan cams of, like, so when people have edited together um, videos of these people on Twitter?
0: I, I, I just don't. Like, I'm, I'm not... Yeah. on social media yeah um, like I have a Twitter account but I use it maybe in maybe the I most savage way like log in do tweet log out
1: I think I only know it because Hunter Harris always like retweets them and then I'm just like watching like mashups of Roman and Jerry or like
0: well, so, um, so, so Hunter Harris I, is where I get whatever social um, content out of hung up. But weirdly, I don't like her powering. And I didn't like her Succession cover story for New York.
1: Didn't you? Which
0: I was like, this is just really long and boring. And I don't understand it because you're one of the most entertaining writers in the world writing about my favorite show, and yet it's boring. And I was like, I don't understand how that happened. That's
1: weird because I usually can't read something long. But with that, I think it's because, one, I had it in print, which helps me for least distractions. And... I could just, I think it's because I could get a picture of like a place I'd never been. And when that can happen for me, then I'm like, I'm sold. Because usually I'm like two paragraphs in and I'm either there or I'm not. I liked it. But I see, I mean, you've read a lot more than me. And this is also your favorite show. And
0: I think the thing thing that that, that frustrated me about it was, was, you know, you kind of felt it in the Jeremy Strong Profile, which we'll talk about at some Not point. No,
1: great segue. We're going to talk about it right after okay. this. Okay. Okay. Why are we talking about Hunter Harris's one? That sucked when we could talk about <laughs> Jeremy Strong, the one about him.
0: Well, so so she is on location. She's she's in Italy. She's surrounded by the cast and
1: they're sweating.
0: They're, you know, they're, they're, they're sweating. Incredible. You know, it's you know it's in this extraordinary environment, and you get all of the normal stuff. You know, like if I went, yeah, I would get about a third of that. Yeah. You know, like Hunter Harris is very good, very relatable. She, you know, she got all that she could, but I guess the fact that there was this other story, that all of the cast relationship to, to Jeremy Strong yeah. that she missed that. And, and I, I think with hindsight, that was the thing that I was like frustrated about. I was like, this is the publicist is going to be stoked about this. It, yeah. it tells the story. It just doesn't give me anything kind of new that I can grab, grab onto. Whereas that New Yorker profile, which we'll talk about now Yes, gave you so much and you can kind of and now when you watch the show which I've only seen one episode post that I'm like every scene I'm like having to kind of tune in and out of yeah them that Mm. tension and you can feel it
1: it like we talked about sex in the city and the feud between some of the two main characters um in one of the last episodes and it kind of ruined watching sex in the city because you knew they weren't friends but with this it felt like it added to the whole experience, even though you're being pulled in and out of reality. But I think it's because reality and the show were kind of one with Jeremy Strong. And me and you, we've talked about this, I didn't find it like a hit piece or whatever. I thought it was just like very true, very honest of Jeremy. And I wonder how he felt about it. I'm never going to know because he's not going to talk to me and I'm scared of him.
0: Well, I mean, I think at some point he might reflect on it. The... Like it's quite rare for a profile to have that kind of impact. Yeah. And
1: and it was worked on for like six months and just the amount of like comment, comments from other people around Jeremy that were included in it just painted such a full picture of him. Someone that like, I think I saw an interview where he said he doesn't usually do TV interviews. There's not a lot of stuff that we can find out about him. So I think that made it all the more like, what the shriek is this? <laughs> <laughs> it is what
0: It is. It is. So I mean, so the the story is basically, like it's, it's a long, it's a long New Yorker profile, yeah. and it paints a portrait of him as an incredibly intense guy. Who he's not quite method; he discru- disputes the method characterization, but he stays in character and almost like prescribes himself the reality of the character yeah. as a way of inhabiting their emotional life, kind of thing. And you know, there's that. Famous Lawrence Olivier uh, line that he said to Dustin Hoffman that's quoted in the piece and in some of the other coverage about, yeah, you know, when Dustin Hoffman stayed up for three days so that he could appear extra tired and wrecked for a scene, and Lawrence Olivier said, my, "My dear boy, have you tried acting?" <laughs> and, and Brian Cox basically said the same thing. It's like Brian Cox is, is Logan, Logan Roy, unbelievable performance. Every scene brings yeah. it that that fierce intensity you feel through the screen, and but I sort of think just lots of different ways. To so get there, right? And for Jeremy Strong, that's what he needs to do. It
1: is what he needs to do. I'm just like, uh, don't ruin yourself in the process. But I mean, like, people die for their art all the time. So that's such a stupid thing for me to say because I'm like, look after yourself. But it's just like, this is the thing he loves doing the most and he's the best at. And also, like nah i'm not gonna say what i was about to say say it no i no, i was just gonna say i kind of get working really hard for the thing that you want and you love and people telling you to look after yourself and you're like this is a matter of looking after myself and it's what i want to do and how i want to do it and yeah when i'm fucked i'll just be fucked and i'll deal with that and then
0: I'll... whoa 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 I, li- I quite like this uh <laughs> this jeremy just...
1: strong version of-
0: yeah but I mean, that's that's the reality, right? Like, if you're obsessed with something, it grows and creeps and takes over your whole thing, and you find yourself doing and saying things that feel quite alien. But yeah. you're just in it all yeah, the time, and and that's the like. I find interviews with and profiles of actors the most boring genre. Uh, I find because the, the best, characters are
1: more interesting. Or well,
0: I just find it like. When I, I mean, this is probably terrible of me, but I, I respect writing more than acting.
1: Yeah. When,
0: when, when the show is good, I'm like, that's great writing. You know, the the performers bring it. And I think Succession is just. Everyone, the casting and yeah. and the acting on Succession is insane. But if you've got a show with bad writing and great acting, I don't care. I can't yeah. watch it. If you've got a show with great writing and mediocre acting, I can probably <laughs> stay with it. And I guess that's the the bar that I use. And and mostly when I hear actors talk about their characters, I just get a bit annoyed because they they sound they like they have this ownership of them. I was about and they, to these say- things are collaborations. I get it, yeah. but. It just feels like it shrinks the yeah. writing and the showrunning and all those other arts, and elevates acting in a way that feels imperfect and untrue in yeah. terms of the, the way the audience goes. And so often they just say real vapid stuff, and the yeah. you know the Oscar speeches and all the rest of it. I I, I can't stand it. Yeah. But that was an extraordinary profile.
1: Yeah, and because I feel like it's because you you can see that he didn't discredit the writers while he was trying to make it his own thing like it was a real collaboration it wasn't just like yeah I'm taking their words and like but now it's my role and I'll do it how I want blah 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 it was like nah he probably he respected like they talk about foreign calls between him and Jesse and like great great piece also on the on the um on the topic of Kendall or Jeremy my favorite moment in the whole of Succession honestly, is the L to the OG rap. Like, I was trying to think of something that wasn't so basic, but it's just, it's the way he can actually sing it well as well when he's going L to the OG, and it's like, yeah. the man actually kills it.
0: I think that it, it's very, very Kendall that he would have rehearsed that so, to the point where he was, he he gives the best possible performance yes. Like a Kindle type of a song like that, yeah, know. you know.
1: I know it's
0: excruciating. It's. I mean, there are so many moments that are, you know, both incredible. Like normally when you get that kind of cringe, it's. I don't know. It's quite rare for it to ring true. Like the the UK office obviously has it, but the the US office has cringe, but it's never. You don't. It doesn't scan. Yes. Like it's always just kind of. Uh, you get that extra layer of silliness, which is, which makes it kind of palatable. Whereas this is like.
1: You <gasps> know what's your favourite moment?
0: Um, I I think it's, uh, it, it's it's cousin Greg at the uh, Senate hearings. <laughs> um, when Senator Evis I check got the whole go thing here, he's and like, it uh, Gregory Hirsch, executive assistant to Tom Wamsgans, correct? And Greg says, yes, yes. If it is to be said (laughs) – I'm (laughs) I'm sorry. If it is to be said, so it – be so it is. It's just, it's just so amazing this kind of, and you so buy it as as Greg using this weird made up sort of hyper formal language and just completely bemusing the heart of everyone.
1: And when he's like walking and in the start, either the start of season three or the end of season two, and he's going no comment, no comment, no comment. It's like no one's asking you for a fucking <laughs> comment, Greg. Or oh, I also the time when Greg um he has two dinners he has one with <laughs> his grandpa and one with Tom and he's just so full and actually when Grog, Grog when Greg's using the dog the doggy bag or the po, the dog poo bag <laughs> like I have this I have and he goes Tom goes oh you're using like a dog poo bag and he's like it's not like they pre-poop them it's just a mental barrier <laughs>
0: It's just a meant to marry so good. I also loved – And the, Cousin Greg is – I mean, we're, we're going to get to that final question, which I think answers it. But Cousin Greg, when he goes to see Logan and tries to sort of bargain with him, bargain yeah. with this absolute all-time is corporate warrior shot should I chug it? <laughs> okay, that
1: was not what I was going to yeah, And when
0: honest. he, like, just smashes that obviously really strong <laughs> rum and coke. And when he says sees-
1: – so what about, like, the me of it all? Or oh, the Greg of it all or something? <laughs> it's just like... Or also, like, all... And we've moved into favourite lines just really naturally, but all of Kendall's, like, bro-speak, like, when he's asking Greg to take, like, the cultural temperature on him on his Twitter and stuff. And it just reminds me of just a really cringe version of you. Like, you don't do this, but the cultural temperature of my Twitter. Oh, uh,
0: t- no, totally. It's, um... I the the intersection of technology and Waystar Royco is just always just so beautifully drawn. Like both of them, just incredibly embarrassing mm-hmm. whenever they meet. The, the, neither of them are in are in comfortable areas, and it's just savage. That's why my actual favorite moment in terms of like little underrated storyline arc is the the volta acquisition. Oh
1: no, you're going to talk about this.
0: Uh, where, you know, that the 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 CEO is, is initially just so rude and contemptuous to Kendall, calls him a dinosaur, acts like it, this things already done and then they just keep raising the price until suddenly, "Oh, now now you're ready to deal." And then Logan basically is a loyalty test selling to shut it down, Kendall just walking into this, you know, proxy for vice office and just making everyone redundant. And and all those people shocked and appalled but also like you know the whole thing is just yeah no heroes no heroes
1: no i know i i love that scene but it also scared the shit out of me because i was sort of like fuck if i ever wanted to like sell what i was doing or blah 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 this is exactly why i'm already scared because what if someone just walks in and then just fires me so i mean i have trust i already (laughs) trust issues with this kind of shit i also think um there's this one line, real. Oh, no. Okay. Well, obviously, there's the you can't make a tomlet, tomlet without a few groups breaking, breaking few <laughs> like, Iconic. Fucking great. There's, um, you,
0: you, I remember when, when you first saw that, you like texted me and you were like, do you think that they named them that so that they could write this line? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Honestly, that's something I would do. Set up a whole world just so I could have this one like real good line. I if
0: they did. Amazing. I mean,
1: they didn't. That's a self indulgent thought. Um Logan also says at one point when Kendall's trying to get back into the um into Waystar Royco, which is actually shot a lot of the scenes in the um One World Trade Centre. Is it? Uh,
0: yeah, I know. A that's a fun
1: fact. Um And Logan goes, bring him up in the dumb way to like a fucking hamburger. <laughs> and I just thought like, like, oh, I don't know. I just don't know how they do it. I wish I could do this. I wish I could do this. The, the
0: writing is just so so I actually did feel like it came back a couple notches this season. One thing which I did get out of that Hunter Harris uh, story, one thing. One thing. <laughs> me. um <laughs> Was that they – the pandemic is invisible within the third season and that was a deliberate mm. decision because I think this is the quote, that the pandemic didn't happen to rich people. Which I was just I, I feel like that was the thing that was missing, that like there was a real opportunity to show the two versions of pandemic life for the wealthy yeah. and the um, and and everyone else. You know, there was that like famous like David Geffen on his lot, yacht Instagram kind of in like April of 2020 kind and of And the celebrity
1: singing Imagine. I know.
0: <laughs> whereas, whereas I think that they could have, you know, had it be a very minor part of it, but had those things be quite yeah. cutting. Like I felt like it's invisibility at a time when the 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 gap between that community and, and the sort of the realities of everyone else is just so enormous. That they it,
1: could have taken it as, a, as an opportunity.
0: To. I think they could have done amazing things with it, and I think that was part of what felt like it was, was missing. Yeah. That and the fact that it was just all very contained in family drama in a way that the family interacting with the world was where a, a lot of the, the fun was in the first and second seasons.
1: Also, did you think it made Wealth look just so boring? Like, when they're talking about the fucking PJs and like their private jets is one of the things that comes up. Like, I don't know. I thought it's just it's not a hot take, and it just made wealth look really boring because actually all they still do is work all day and sort of argue and Logan, like, can't let go of this thing. that What does Kendall say? Like, what are you going to do with this five bill? Add it to your other bills? And he's like, yeah, probably. And it's like, this all looks... It's like they're
0: playing a video game. Yeah,
1: yeah, true. And they just want the biggest XP, high score. XP, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: So I sort of feel like yes or no. Like, every so often, like, there'll be a scene where I'm like, I just want to be there like a lot yeah. of the it Italians have but oh, I think yeah. that the problem for them is that it's just everything is always that yeah and so it just becomes becomes real tedious yeah uh so yeah there, there is you can definitely sense their weariness so it's, like it's just another best place in the entire world therefore it has no value.
1: Yeah, I yeah, I just think there's so much about wealth in it, which I, I love. It's like you've said to me, it's a very like luxe show and it's like a luxe thing to view and I just think that's like the perfect way. So, so glad we've talked about this throughout the whole series so I can just draw back to the shit you've already said to me and play it off, not even as if it's my own. I had, The last question, because I know we're running out of time, it's also extremely hot in here, not to break the fourth wall, but... <laughs> Do you think it's a comedy or do you think it's a drama or do you think it's happily both?
0: I mean that that was one of the funniest or, or most interesting parts of the Jeremy Strong profile was the fact that everyone on the cast thinks it's it's a comedy, a comedy. and he thinks it's a drama. I think it's obviously both those things, obviously. right? Obviously.
1: Quite obviously. And
0: I'd be kind of be quite disturbed by someone not to see it as like a, a brutal funny. satire. Yeah, I know. Uh, but also, like, the drama is real. Like, it it's heart attack shit.
1: Yeah, I know. I thought I, yeah, it was, my only answer was that Jeremy Strong, like, didn't think it was a comedy. And I was shook.
0: But Kendall doesn't seem to have a sense of humor of any description. So maybe that is just him staying deep in character. But he just doesn't seem like a guy who would laugh beyond the sort of, you know, when someone laughs. Yeah. Like, in, a, in that way where there's like, oh, this is where a laugh would go.
1: Yes. <laughs> Kendall, no. Oh, Kendall's so interesting. I love him and I hate him and then I love him again. Also, one last fun fact. Did you know that Will Ferrell was one of the executive producers? Oh, yeah. I did not know that and I found it out and I was like, fucking hell. Also, do you know that – is it Adam McKay that he they, like, worked together and then they had a rift and now they're not friends anymore? Yeah, well, so
0: – I actually, re- I, I read. Um, so there's this book called Showtime, yeah. which is about the, the '80s LA Lakers, and it's an amazing, problematic book about an amazing, problematic team. And uh, and then I read that they were that Adam McKay was adapting it for the screen. Yeah, and I was like, oh, this is this is going to be good because I think yeah. Adam McKay is a genius, yeah. you know, and. And then the reason that they well they, their friendship was already breaking apart, and then Will Ferrell desperately wanted the character of um oh what's his name jimmy bus whatever the the, the owner of yeah. the Lakers who was this he just this larger than life guy hung out with the players, went out drinking till four a m Always got another twenty-year-old on his hip, kind of thing. Yeah, and you can so see Will Ferrell loving that part, but also he would wreck it because Will Ferrell is a bad actor. Like, oh. I don't think Will Ferrell is good at acting. He's got one. He's note.
1: typecast He's in
0: just... the office, the US office. He is so bad in that boss I even, role. I didn't
1: even know him. He's
0: like this. season eight. He goes oh. for like, you know.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. He, he he
0: like straight up sucks.
1: But didn't they didn't? So is this the one where they ended up giving the role to his co-star on um, Step Brothers? But, yes, like, John
0: John C. Riley. Yeah who's also his best friend
1: and so and
0: John T. Riley's a brilliant actor and and so I'm like I kind of love Adam McKay for being willing to sacrifice this lifelong professional and personal relationship to make the thing good and Will Ferrell I kind of I sort of understand it it is just very disconcerting to see this amazing heady luxurious show with like the guy's probably made more stupid parts yeah. than any other actor in history, you know, that's not named, like, you know, Adam Sandler or something, <laughs> <Yeah>. Rob Schneider.
1: <laughs> okay. We've gone on a big tangent. All I was trying to say was that <laughs> Oh, then I asked you, actually, if you knew about For- – I don't know if I gave any context that Adam McKay is also an executive producer and
0: they- – they-, they both come yeah. up kind of consecutively yeah. in the credits.
1: And so, okay, do you have anything else to say on Succession before I ask you what's on your radar uh, just because I know time's running out, and w- we haven't even like gotten into.
0: <laughs> no, no, I, I just love it. Um, I just, I really feel like they. Oh, actually, oh. I want to know something. What? What? What do you think oh, is the new reality for the kids? Because, oh, like, are they? God, they're are they not. Go- are they down to zero, or are they just? Or have they just realized they've spent their entire careers working towards something that will never be? Like, are they poor? It, by succession standards, obviously they're not poor, poor. But like, what what is the what have they just realised?
1: Um, oh, well, they've just realised that their dad actually doesn't think any of anything of them, no matter what they might have learnt. Like, because maybe they're not that good at business, but the shit that they've learnt through this life experience is fucked. They can do stuff with that after a bit of therapy. I don't think they're gonna. I don't think it's going to be another season of them trying to take down Tom. But I don't. Maybe it will be. It could be exactly what it is. I don't know. Shiv had quite a good political career and then sort of. It was like she had a really good head on her shoulders and then she tried to go into this business and.
0: The, the gaslighting like, of the drawing her yeah. in just only to toy with her. I oh, know. My God.
1: So I don't know. I think they've realised that.
0: I love the oh, setup for uh, this. Void. Uh, there's so many different ways they can. directions they can take her. Uh, I love Alexander uh, the Skarsgard's character. Is yeah, like, I know. I mm.
1: know. Oh, um,. Okay, well, since there is going to be a season four, right? Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. You should, the way the directors looked at me, like you should have well, fucking known that. Lucy. No, no,
0: no. You shouldn't have necessarily known that. But it's like it's even though it, and it doesn't really write. It's just an obsession for the media. Yeah. It, it doesn't particularly get mass numbers. But, but it's they wouldn't have ended it like that, no, and they they would have known. Yeah. I think they get to make the show for as long as they want.
1: Yeah. True. What's on your radar? What's 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 coming up with you? What are you interested in? What are you wanting to know more about?
0: Uh, well, as as I mentioned to you before, before we came on, I. I feel like I don't have any interests anymore.
1: But he does. The man literally does. He literally came from basketball to this podcast to talk about a show that he's interested in, running a business he's quite interested in. Anyway, so not to downplay your experience.
0: Yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Sure, 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 sure. sure. No, but but basically 2021 has been a year where I've just become obsessed with newsletters. You started one, which I read every day, and I've got this Mm. kind of basket of – Newsletters, which I just love, and yeah. they, and I feel like whatever connection I have to reality is kind of that 's the conduit um, and one actually that you put me onto recently is Rex woodbury who's a i think he 's like a venture capitalist or something with what seems like a real with index and they seem real interesting and like I went and read a bunch of their stuff out the back of it, but he writes about uh, the future in a way that that is very sort of accessible Hell and yeah. fun and and like a lot of the time when people write about it, they either it's either just laden with jargon or it's sort of three steps ahead or it's so narrow that it doesn't join yeah. up with anything else so he wrote he wrote about web 3 which i've been reading a lot about just the same way that web, the metaverse was everywhere a few months ago now web yeah. 3 is and i just and it sort of suddenly unlocked for me in my mind and it was particularly this notion that in web 2.0 Basically, all of the all of the things that we're making constantly on social media, all of the value of that, or just the vast majority of it, is captured by the platforms that distribute it. And in Web3, the idea was that the people who create content and the people who amplify and distribute it capture the vast majority of the yeah. value. They just sort of flip that 80-20 ratio. And I was like, that's... It just suddenly made sense to me why people are so excited about this thing and the way it interlocks with cryptocurrencies and and so on and and he had this sort of sunny idealistic optimism that feels like it was a remaking of the world. And so I love that about newsletters, that that this stuff is so narrow and niche. You can never imagine it being published in like the kind of quote unquote mainstream publications that I read. But Chaining it up over consecutive newsletters. I just, I'm I'm there. I know. For
1: anyone that's trying to like make sense of what we're talking about, he writes this really good like entry level one, which is explaining, I think it's the metaverse through the lens of Neopets. And it's just, it makes everything make sense. And he also just had something published in the Atlantic, which is like that sort of starting to bridge this niche as thing that like more of us should and will know about outside of just like our inboxes. However, it can sort of stay in the inboxes for a while because you guys should all go and read both the spin-offs newsletters and my one.
0: <laughs> definitely, definitely <laughs> agree. Uh, the, the, the way that he used Taylor Swift and how he'd been obsessed with Taylor Swift since pre-fearless was I very, very good.
1: I, do, I think it's great. Anything that you can just relate back to this cultural moment that everyone understands is like my cup of tea because it's the only way I'll understand anything. On my radar is just a really good 2022. I've done so many on my radars in the past. Po- you said I recorded two podcasts. So I've run out of any content that I'm used to. Your radar consent. is
0: just scanning nothing. <laughs>
1: my radar is honestly to be Duncan and have no interest and just like have a real good 2022.
0: <laughs> I want that for you. I love I it. I want
1: it for me too. Um, Duncan, thank you for joining me on this episode of Culture Function.
0: Anytime. It was real fun. I've
1: loved it. I've honestly, I've loved it. And I feel like we've just scratched the surface. So you guys might be hearing. Can roy join me again
0: <laughs> if it is to be said
1: in <laughs> it is to be
0: <laughs> so it. hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter